Baruchim Abayim, and welcome to Torah Talks Chazak's Tuesday night program with special guest. Tonight we have with us Rabbi David Orlovsky Shalita. Wow. All the way from Eretz Yisrael. What an honor. How you doing, Rabbi? I'm exhausted. <laughs> That's the first one ever. Okay. These trips are, these trips are really hard. Oh, wow. Uh, but it's, I would have to actually find a profession and get a job. So the alternative is traveling around and talking. So it's about the only thing I can do, you know. So as long as I do that, I'm okay. I told my kids, if I, if I lose my voice, then we're all going to go hungry. That's, it. That's the only thing I got. <laughs> I'll never forget, I had the honor of uh, introducing Rabbi Orlovsky many times for Chazak events, and I would uh, start off by saying world-renowned lecture, and the That's rabbi's right. like, world-renowned lecture equals a person he's, without he's a job. He's a person without a job, right, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd say, he does this, he does that, you know. When they just means the former Long Island director, and his wife, the former Mashkiach and whatever, the former, the former, <laughs> what does he do now? Nothing. Now he does nothing. <laughs> And you know what's great? This is the pre prime Torah talk, and this is Shem, perfect. It doesn't get better than this. Having Robert Orlovsky on a Torah talk yeah. right before Purim. Yes. So uh, I usually add a little bit of background of yourself, of the rabbi. So I was already on uh, Chazak Radio. They interviewed me. They know my whole life. <laughs> that was a while ago, rabbi. How is anybody watching this who didn't watch all the Chazak Radio? Go back. It's online. <laughs> go, if you're watching this online anyway, go back and watch my interview with Chazak. You'll know everything about me. More than you need to know, including my shoe size. So it's all there. Barbara <laughs> so, Orlovsky. Yeah. So, Baruch Hashem, every time we see you, just seeing you makes us, you know, besimcha oh. happiness. So, so um, being that it's a pre-perm, I'm going to do something we've never done before, which is, uh, Rabbi, what's your favorite joke? <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, it goes and changes. You know, it's an amazing thing because I, I tell jokes and I don't remember them. <laughs> I just push it to remember them. And I hear them from other people years later, and I have no recollection of ever having said it. Like know? I said that? No, way. no I'll give you an example. <laughs> I, somebody played a tape for me. goes, do you remember this? I, I don't remember it at all. Somebody was asking the famous Gemara with Repreda. Uh, Repreda had this student who had difficulty learning. He had to teach him everything 400 times. You know how difficult that is for a rabbi to say something over 400 times. So he says it 400 times, and the kid would finally get it. And this was every single day. And one day he said, listen, after we finish learning, I'm going off to a wedding. Yeah. So he teaches him 400 times, and the kid doesn't get it. He says, 400 times? He says, what happened? Because I was nervous the whole time you were going to leave. So he says, no problem. I'm not going to go. And he teaches him another 400 times. Wow. So a boss call comes out, a heavenly voice, and says to him, pray there. You know, you can either go straight to Olam Haber, to the next world, or you can have a very long life. You know, what are you going to choose? So this fellow asked a question in this tape. The person was playing for me, the recording. It's a, a recording. He says, um, why didn't the kid get a, a Basco? Why didn't he get a heavenly voice? For... He, he spent 800 times learning something. So he says, Rabbi Olavsky once said, because the Basco didn't want to repeat itself 400 times. <laughs> now that's a great line. I have no recollection of ever saying it. Every now and then, people tell me a joke that I've said that I have no recollection. So when people ask me this, it's just the first one that comes to mind. So, but one that I always, I always get a kick out of is uh, the one where it says, when, when I die, I want to go like my grandfather, quietly in his sleep. Not screaming hysterically like all the passengers in his car. So... so <laughs> That's a very deep joke. It's a very deep joke, you know, when you think about it. You know, there's a joke that's not so funny, but it's so clever that I just, I say it over all the time just because it's so clever. You know, I had a guy in my shia, Chaim Rose, uh, Oliver Shalom, 
and uh, uh, he, 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 he used to tell these like really corny jokes. And this one, for some reason, just stuck with me. It goes, time flies like an arrow. Fruit flies like a banana. Time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's such a good joke, because you have to learn shot. Because it, t- time flies, flies is a verb. Fruit flies, it's a noun. So time flies like an arrow, like is... Come on, as if. And here they like, they behave, they like. So, but you say it fast and people don't get it. What? Time flies like an arrow. Fruit flies like a banana. And you just think about it. It's the kind of joke you can just reflect on, which is what a joke is supposed to be. Uh, the, the reason that Purim is the holiday of Schoik, not Simcha. It's very interesting. Adar Simcha. You know, which Nichnas Adar Marbim B'Simcha. But... The holiday that's simcha, that's happiness, is Sukkot. Mm. We say zman simcha seinu. We're supposed to be happy, right? Um, uh, but Purim, interestingly enough, is the holiday of schoik. And the reason is because all of Purim is unexpected. Nothing makes any sense. It, everything turns upside down. It's constant. You, you think you know what's happening, boom. That's the essence of a joke, right? Turning, Turning upside down. A guy walks into a bar, orders a drink. Not funny. A guy walks into a bar, says, ouch. Okay? It's not very funny, but it's a joke because it's unexpected. You thought he walked into a pub, and in fact, he actually walked into a bar, right? You know? So it's unexpected. It's the, the, the unexpected that, gets, that, that makes something funny. If it's expected, it's not funny. You know? It's, uh, um, it's, it's the What makes us laugh is always... Um, uh, is always unexpected. So, what's the biggest? What's the biggest laugh? What's the funniest thing in the world? Rabbi is the funniest person. Absolutely in the world, not. <laughs> it's a pasuk. What's the funniest thing in the world? All of history. Uh, now you should know this. You would, yeah, yeah. There you go. I knew you would get this, right? Then our mouth will be filled with laughter when Mashiach comes. How do I know you would get this? Because one time when I was speaking, you introduced, you were introducing me, and you said I started Chazak to bring Mashiach. Wow, you have good memory. And people started laughing, and you looked at the crowd. I'm not kidding. Not a joke. <laughs> and, and a funny did a double take. Because everyone believes that we want Mashiach, but no one really believes that we're going to bring Mashiach. I'm not going to bring Mashiach. I'm for sure I'm going to bring Mashiach. If not me, then who? You, me and you, that's it. You know, who's, who's going to bring it? So, so, uh, so when Mashiach comes, that's going to be the funniest thing in the world. Because nobody's going to see it coming. So could you imagine CNN has to report this? If they're oh, still wow. around, but, but uh, Fox News, whoever it is, has to report, you know, the Messiah has arrived, you know, and, uh, you know, the president is standing by with an announcement, you know. But first we cut to the Vatican. Pope goes, we were wrong. What? We were wrong. All this time we were wrong. You know, take off the white one, put on the black one. That's it, that's it you know. Made a mistake, you know. And the whole world is going to be like, and the Jews are going to be the ones laughing the most. Like, I can't believe this actually happened. I mean, we... You know, it's like somebody says, you know, I know God exists, I just don't believe it. You know, <laughs> you know? So that if we were davening, we were, Baruch Atah Hashem. Oh my God, I mean, that's you. Like, we wouldn't, we don't really, we don't really feel it. So when Mashiach comes, it's going to be the kind of thing we're like, oh my gosh, it's the funniest thing in the world because it's completely unexpected. So we laugh when it's unexpected. That's why, who is called funny in the Torah? Yitzchak. 
Ah, Yitzchak will laugh. Right? Probably not a less funny guy in all of Tanakh. <laughs> Elio and Navi, there's some funny th- stories over there. <laughs> You're looking for funny. But it's not very funny, you know? What do you see him telling any jokes, you know? Uh, he's a very serious guy. But he lived in Din. Mm. That's completely unexpected. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world and did an absolute judgment. He saw the world couldn't stand an absolute judgment. Right? If every time he did something wrong, this is it, you got zapped. Who could live that way? But he did. That was totally unexpected. So he's like, that's, that's laughter. So, um, yeah, so that's why joke, every joke has got to be unexpected. And the more unexpected it is, the funny it is. And that's why when, it, when, when you tell that joke, you know, I want to go like my grandfather. I was like, ah... You know, not like all the passengers in this car. And it's like, boom! <laughs> like, it turns it upside down. So uh, I remember Rabbi obviously was at a Chazak event once, and he said over, like, you always do a joke, but it took some time for the crowd to get it. Yeah. And then you're like, it's taking some time for it to get around the room. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I, re- I do remedial humor. I wait. I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll wait till you catch up. I'll explain it if I need to, but, you know. Was that always the Rabbi's Malach, his way of uh, giving over a Torah? Like, I'm saying with... Uh, um, you know, it's such an interesting thing. Uh, I have a good friend, Y.Y. Rubenstein. Have you of had him course. on Torah Talks? Yeah, of course. We had him on Torah Talks. had everybody. I'm the last one left. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, there's, there's still a long way to <laughs> we, we, we still had other people. You were the only one we could get on short notice. But anyway. <laughs> but he is incredibly funny. And, he, and the interesting thing is, he's much funnier than me. And no, but he has the accent. He's more <laughs> that helps. It helps. Yeah, you, you, you're nervous. Yeah, but I was at a I was on a panel with him once in England. You know, and he goes, "Well, if we understand the verse," and I was like, "What's a verse? There's no a in that. It's a verse. It's a verse." He switches into perfect American English. Just, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that was difficult. He does all accents. He does a Spanish accent. He does a, he does any kind of accent. He's extremely talented. But in one way, he's funnier than me, and one way, he's more serious than me. He could just get up and be funny without without even saying any Torah, just telling jokes, just being funny for an hour straight. I can't. I'm not that talented. I I, I teach Torah and I present it in a humorous way. Right. On the other hand, he went to Switzerland. And I guess they didn't check who they were bringing, you know. And one of them said, you know, Rabbi, in Schweiz, rabbis don't tell jokes. <laughs> and he could be completely serious. He could be dead serious without a joke. I can't. I can't. You have to so I, it's not a mahalach. It's just part of my nature. I'm just funny. You know, you know. From the time I was a kid, everyone says, that's a funny kid. <laughs> he looks funny, he sounds funny, he smells funny, there's something funny about that kid, you know? So I was always funny, so, so Mamela, I end up making jokes even when I don't mean to, you know? So I just end up presenting things in a funny way. So I, I used to say that where I could get up and go, good evening! And everyone just starts laughing. I didn't say anything. I didn't, good evening! You know, that's it. Everyone starts laughing. So it's just, it's, it's, it's something that's innate to me. So when I give over with Torah, um, it comes out in a funny way because, and here's what's amazing. Sometimes all I do is build up a kasha. I'm giving a shir. And I just build up the kasha. And I build it up and I build it up. Build up and everyone, I, start, I build up the question. And everyone just starts laughing from the question. Because it's like, yeah, I never thought of that. I mean, because humor is unexpected. You know, I remember when I was in Kolel, I, I, every now and then I would ask one of these questions. And someone says, that's a David Olavsky kasha. It's a David Olavsky question. I said, what do you mean, like a klutz kasha, like a, like a stupid question? He goes, no, no, no. 
In yeshiva all day, people ask questions and give answers. Questions. But when you ask a question, it bothers you. You're like, yeah. That alone can make you laugh. If you come up with a really good question, you start laughing, you're like, yeah, I never thought of that. That's amazing. So that's why it's not that I have a mahalach to be funny. I don't... Very seldom do I plan out jokes. Now, I have a couple of set shiurim that I give on a regular basis that over the years, I just thrown in the same joke. So after a while, I remember those jokes and put it into the shir. But I'll say over any Dvar Torah, and a joke will slip in, uh, or an idea will come in, just because that's how I view life. I, I have fun. I, have, I spend a lot of time. <clears throat> I just look around, and I <laughs> start driving. I look at someone, I'm, and if I'm with anybody, I say it out loud. If I, I just say it to myself, I said, what is that guy thinking? <laughs> What's going on in his head, you know? So I, I, uh, I'm an observant Jew. I observe people. Observe. <laughs> and I, I just look at people and I'm like, you know, and sometimes you see a couple and you're like, what were they thinking? <laughs> I would like to meet the Shadison for that guy. You know? I had a guy in my Shirin or Sameach. His mother was a Beis Yaakov girl. His father was a Hell's Angel biker. I said, boy, I'd like to meet that Shadchan, you know, <laughs> who put that one together, you know. But somebody's looking at a couple and you're like, why? What, what were they thinking? What, what went into this? <laughs> and then you can develop a whole thing. So if you look at life, you know, th- there's a whole area of humor that's called observational humor. Seinfeld was famous for that. There's a lot of like that, where they just, they just point out, you ever notice, you ever notice this, you ever notice that, you know. It, it's the kind of thing uh, where you're just looking at something like, that's so funny. I just, you never realize it. And so when you point out, you know, so I had a guy once in, in a share, I was giving a share, uh, every other Motsi Shabbos in Harnof, I gave it for many years. This fellow was there. It's a fascinating story. He was a barrister, which is a lawyer in England, and he gave it up to become a storyteller. Really? <laughs> yeah, not a, not a great career move, in my opinion. <laughs> he eventually, you know, after he became from, he went back, he got married, and went back to, to practice the law. But, you know, but at the time, uh, he decided to travel around and just tell stories at county fairs and things like this. <laughs> Anyway, so he, he appreciated these kind of things. And so he, um, he says, I love listening to you because you hold up a funhouse mirror to life. You see yourself, but you're distorted enough that you have to laugh. So that's what it is. It's just observations in life where you point out people, the things that people do. That's just, you know, okay, I don't think it's so funny, but, but you can see it all the time. Person in the middle of davening. He's a davening. You're speaking to God, right? In the middle of praying to God, you know? And the phone rings. And they take it out. So it's bad enough their phone rings and disturb people. They'll turn up. They take it out and look at it. Because there might be somebody important. <laughs> You're talking to so God. I'm talking to God, but uh, this might be somebody important. And then sometimes they realize, yeah, yeah, this is more important than God. <laughs> but they That's can't it. talk because they're the most one answering, you know? So they're like, uh-huh. 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 And everyone laughs because they've seen it. They know it's real. It's, it's, it's what life is all about, you know? So I just point out those things about life, and that's what's funny, you know? So it's not that I don't really have a cheshven to, to do it, but so I remember I spoke once, and it was very funny. You only spoke right? once? No, this, this story only happened once. It's, I have a lot of very Bowman stories, but this is the only one where he ever said anything nice to me. <laughs> he was always giving me most of it. One time I gave a whole, I did one of my regular things, and he comes over to me and he says, you're not fooling anybody. You're just an old Slabotka Nick. 
there was different schools of teaching Musar and Slobodka was the one that was a positive. Ah, you know, they, they used to get up there and they would tell jokes and they would this and that and then they would hit you with the Musar. You know, they'd hit you with the message at the end. He goes, ah, I know your routine. I've seen the, I've seen the original. Rav Shalom Shadron, who, you know, Maggot. Pesach Kron, you know, uses as, as, his, as, his, um, as his model, you know, would tell very funny stories. He did whole routines and, and things. In fact, uh, one time people said to him, this is not appropriate. You know, you're a Torah personality. You shouldn't be doing this, you know. So he went to the Chazanish. Wow. You know, very, very strong personality, you know. So he says, people were telling him, I'm doing the wrong thing. He says, go ahead, let's see your routine. Chazanish says to him. Wow. So he does the whole routine with the voices and the jokes, the whole thing. And the Chazanish said, just like that. Just like that. You, you got it down. So, um, so... So he would say, why? Because when you want a kid to take his medicine and he doesn't want to open his mouth, you make him laugh and then you can stick it in. Mm. He says, when I tell jokes, people become receptive. And in fact, that's the idea I heard once from Moshe Shapiro. There's two different types of tfachim, right? You have a fist, a measurement that's called a fist, a tefach. There's called a tefach, and then there's called what's called a tefach sochek. Why? Because when you laugh, you open up. It makes you open. And that's why I'd always say, Rabba would start every shir with a badicha. He would start with a joke. Why? Because it opens people up. When you, when you laugh, it, it, it opens you up because it's all unexpected. So now you're willing to think in new ways. You're seeing things from a different perspective. So when you laugh, you become bigger. It's interesting. Mark Suvis, it says that since the Chorban, when a person thinks of something sad, they shrink. And when you're happy, you get big. So that's what it says, Exuvis, you know, about shrinking, thinking about the Chorban. But the Gemara in Gittin, it tells the story when uh, Yochum and Zakai uh, told Vespasian he was going to become emperor. Sure enough, a messenger came and told him he was going to become emperor. He tried to put on his, his boot and he couldn't get it on. He says, that's because you're so happy you have expanded. Wow. He says, think of something sad. And he thought of something sad and then he was able to put on his shoe. He shrunk. <laughs> So sadness shrinks us, and, and schok makes us bigger. Wow. That's why I'm, you know, <laughs> let's just say I'm not a size, I'm not, I'm not a cadet size uh, in my suits, you know, I don't, I don't buy the slim shirts, let's put it that way. Sometimes you go into the store, they only have slim. Who are these people? People like you going no. out there shopping. Rabbi Yalofsky, do you suggest that, let's say, parents, fathers, or Rebbe, should take this approach, or it's not for everyone? The... It's such an important approach. And, and I wasn't the one who said this. It goes back, you know. Like you said, the Gemara says to start off with... Gemara says, but even here in America, Reb Moshe Feinstein would always say, what destroyed American Jewry was one phrase, which is Yiddish for, it's hard to be a Jew. Oh, because they had to work on Shabbat. And when kids hear, Oy, it's so hard to be a Jew, it's so hard to be a Jew, a kid says, you're right, why would I want to do it? Wow. And that's you know? why so many people left the phone. And people don't know it. That's why when a parent says, oh, these kids, kids are so difficult, kids just take kids, don't this, kids this, or these kids, and that. Why should I have kids? Why would I want to have kids? You know? <laughs> when you show kids that everything is beautiful, and when I approach any, um, any holiday, I look at it from, how do I present this in a way that it's going to be enjoyable for the people there? Pesach is around the corner uh, for the women in the audience when you'll be watching this. 
a little over a month. Of Rabbi, you're supposed to make them happy. Why right? you're wasting your time watching this instead of cleaning, I don't know. But I just want to make you nervous. That's all. They're multitasking. They're listening to us. Anyway, but um, uh, when, when, with all the preparations, you know, with all the shopping and all the cleaning and all the cooking and all the serving and all the setting up, how much time does the father or the grandfather think how do I make this Seder meaningful to the people who are here? And I do that every year because I'm going to have grandchildren who are little kids, who are very excited, you know, of every aspect. It's so fresh and new to them. And I've got, you know, kids who are in their 30s, you know, who are coming and they, they want to all hear a message that's going to be meaningful to their life. And um, it's interesting, my kids sometimes... They're, they become very strong about the fact that because we don't want any guests on the Seder. We want it all on us. We want to be sent to attention. But when I, we go to Hanukkah, you know, um, Hanukkah for us is... Uh, so I grew up in a house. It wasn't Shomer Shabbos. You know, we had the electric menorah in the window. I know? didn't know this. You were, uh, you were from... Yeah, well, my father came, grew up in an Orthodox home. My mother, her father didn't go to synagogue on Yom Kippur. Nothing. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, but my dad grew up with it. But he, it was during the Depression. He dropped out of school after ninth grade. He had to go to work, you oh, know. Wow. And uh, he didn't have much of a Jewish education. My grandfather didn't know much himself. And uh, so, you know, if you didn't work on Shabbos, you didn't work, you know. So, uh, so he, you know, but he had a very Jewish feel. Mm-hmm. He ended up making a decision to send his kids to Jewish uh, day school. And that's how... Now, I just had my father and my mother's yard site in Shvat. Um, uh, they have over a hundred great grandchildren who are all being brought up in Torah Wow, unbelievable! You know, importance of sending lines, kids to Jewish day school. That's what unbelievable. Can I Whereas other lines of the family completely disappeared. Wow. Either disappeared, nobody had any children, or they disappeared that none of them are Jewish anymore. Wow. Just disappeared. And uh, he turns around over a hundred great grandchildren. What an unbelievable yeah. thing! And all of them from today, oh, with all the stuff that goes on. So, um, uh, so they didn't really know much. So, yeah, we used to also have the little box of uh, colored candles that we'd light on the dining room table. But uh, it was, you know, my parents worked, you know. There was... So when I went off to yeshiva, that was the first time I actually saw Hanukkah, you know. We'd be in the middle of Seder and everybody would stop. And, you know, we'd go downstairs to the dining room and everybody would light the menorahs and we'd all sing Haneris uh, Halalu and Ma'oz Sur. And when we came to Yivanim, we would, the whole yeshiva would sing a dance. Yivanim, Yivanim, Nikbatulallah. And then, you know, that was it. Everybody would give us a, a jelly donut and we'd go back to yeshiva, you know. And I was like, wow, that's great, you know. So when I got married, that's how I lit Hanukkah candles in my house, every single Hanukkah. And as my kids would grow, so when the kids were little, it was so much fun. Yeah, they would light dancing. it, and we'd start singing and dancing, etc. And uh, and then they would become teenagers, you know, preteen or teens, depending on, on the kid. And they were much too cool for this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not singing and dancing. <laughs> and then they would get older, and they'd come back in, you know. Mm. And now they come in with my grandchildren. You yeah, know what I mean? And, and on Shemini Shapesach, so we sing all the Hanukkah songs. We actually go. From the kitchen where we light in the window, and we go into the living room and we do a whole big dance, and you know, etc. Anyway, one of my kids, 
who was going through a very hard time, you know, and uh, wasn't with the program, <laughs> you know. So she she was there for the Hanukkah landing, and she turns to one of her sisters and says, I love Hanukkah in our house. That's it. If your kid says, I love Hanukkah, you know, um, I, we used to have a lot of guests for Shabbos, and the kids would participate. Sometimes the kids would feel like they were being left out in it. Anyway, after a while, a lot of them became teens and preteens. They started developing bad attitudes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I said, okay, I have to rethink my Shabbos table. Because, you know, somebody asked me a long time ago, uh, a very chosh of Avrech, and I said, how do you make your kids sit at the Shabbos table? I said, I don't. <clears throat> it should be a privilege to sit at the Shabbos ah. table. What do you make them sit at the Shabbos table? You know what I mean? Was this a punishment? You know what I mean? <laughs> you sit there and you have a good time. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, so if they're not enjoying the Shabbos table, it's my problem. I have to rethink my Shabbos table. So instead of preparing Divrei Torah, I started preparing um, uh, brain teasers. Mm, you know, mind games, things yeah. like this, where you have riddles and things where they would have to try to think of that. They were having fun. Yes. I right. want them to have fun at the Shabbos table. And then as they got a little older, I switched and I would give them thought questions. You know, is it better to, uh, to you know, bring your kids up and expose them to all kinds of different things or to keep them more sheltered in a quiet Jewish community? Which is better for your kids? And they would argue back and forth at different points, you know. Whenever I would tell the Selva, people would say, so what would you tell them at the end? I said, nothing. Let them that know. was the point. When kids go to school, that's the whole thing. No one cares what you think. They're going to tell you the correct answer at the end, and your conversation means nothing. Right. But people want to talk. I wanted to give them a chance just to air their opinions. Forget about it. They're wrong. They're right. I don't care. I want them to have a good time because everybody wants to be heard. So I would look at Shabbos or Hanukkah or anything and say, okay, how do we make this something that people want to do, something that's going to be positive, that's going to be enjoyable. It's the same thing with Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, right? Rosh Hashanah Kippur is not particularly the happiest time for most people, especially Why, Rosh Hashanah kids. Rosh Hashanah could be, you know, around the table, and okay, Yom Kippur. That's because you're Sephardic, and you guys cut out <laughs> half the stuff that we Ashkenazim oh, say. Yeah. So you don't under... How long does Rosh Hashanah davening take by you in the morning? Uh, it takes, you know, we end about 12, 1-ish. No, no, hours. Give me hours. How many oh. hours? Three, four, more or less. Yeah, three or four. By us, it's like five or six. Really? Is that, yeah, yeah. It, 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 sometimes it doesn't even end. <laughs> <laughs> you just go straight to the Yom Kippur. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so it's, it's uh, you know, it can be very, very long. You know, it's uh, an ordeal. Now, I have to sit. So we look around to find a davening that my kids are going to like. With a mm. lot of singing and very lively and this and next thing because I want my kids to go to shul and come back and be Excited. inspired from the davening as opposed to like, oh, here we go again, right. you know? Um, so the rabbi believes wholeheartedly the importance of... Has to be. And so, simcha happiness. So take this past year. Yeah. I saw, okay, so uh, listen, I always say you should play to your strengths. And one thing that my family does well is we all eat well. You know, we know about food. All my, <laughs> all my kids cook. They're, many of them uh, are foodies. They watch uh, food videos and things. They, um, you know, my son was uh, here in America. And what, what did he want? You know, you come to America. What do you want to bring back to this? A cast iron pan. I mean, that was to him was his <laughs> dream. You know, a cast so everybody here is at the booth. So, Ezu Chacham Aroyas and Who's smart? Someone who sees the future. So, Rosh Chodesh Elo, I always look ahead at the ca- uh, calendar, and I saw this past year. 
it was going to be a Shabbos, followed by two days Rosh Hashanah, followed by a Shabbos, followed by a meal before Yom Kippur and a meal after Yom Kippur, and then a Shabbos, and then Sukkot, and then Shabbos Cholamoi, and then Simchas Torah, and then another Shabbos. Do you realize how many meals there are? Oh, well, wow. you were there, so oh, it's yeah. not be right. But nobody <laughs> thought of it beforehand. So, if you're going to sit down at that table and you're going to give roast chicken and potatoes every single meal, mm. you know, people are going to be less than enthusiastic, you know, even if you throw in a potato. Bowl, you know what I'm <laughs> so, I saw this coming. Yeah. I, I, organization <laughs> is my life. You know, I, I used to run NCSY in Long Island for nine years, I think, in terms of calendars and planning, you know. So I made up an entire uh, meal plan for the whole, that whole tekufa, from the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah to the Shabbos after Sukkot, and varying all the main courses and the side dishes and the appetizers to make sure that it wasn't going to be dull. I don't Amazing. want it dull. It's got to be exciting. And then when I was done, I sent it to all of the kids. I said, anyone who has any comments, additions, subtractions, say it now. I don't want you to show up at the meal and say, no, I don't like this, like that. I want to make sure that these are meals that you walk into and you go like, oh boy, I love this. I want you to enjoy it. I want it to be fun. And so anything you do has to be fun. This is one of the biggest problems in education because when you're teaching a kid, you are competing with social media, with YouTube, with, you know, uh, you know uh, the, the, their phone, the games, the, all the stuff that's going on. How are you going to compete with that? And you're sitting there in a class. So if you can't make the Torah more enjoyable, I've heard this many times. Back in the old days when I used to have cassettes, and then I had CDs, and now I have a podcast, <laughs> you know. I hear this very often from parents. My kid won't listen to anything but your, your stuff. He's, I can't get him to listen to anything. It's a great compliment. I get, <laughs> I get an a email from a guy up in Gateshead. And he's burnt out from learning. The only thing I listen to is your, is your stuff. He says, because it's enjoyable. Oh. And I said, if you, can't, if you can't make the Torah enjoyable, you know, whatever it is you're learning, whatever you're doing. Right? So when I taught Gemara, <clears throat> uh, the first year I was, I was teaching in a particular yeshiva, I don't want to mention where, my first year there. I was teaching the second year program. There was a guy sitting in my shear. He was probably one of the best guys in the shear. He participated. He asked questions. He, you know, great. And he was only there for a half a year. And he said to me, you know, Rabbi, I was here last year. I agreed to come back only on, a, on condition that I don't have to learn Gemara. I hate Gemara. I've hated Gemara my whole life. Amen. And the, the person in charge said to me, listen, you know, we have a new Rebbe. Just try his share for a week. See if you like it. He says, if I had a Rebbe like this, I would have learned Gemara my whole life. Why? I didn't do it. I, I didn't have any magic tricks. It's the same Gemara in front of everybody else. It's just, you have to make it enjoyable. You have to make it something. Like I say, you build up the question until someone cares about it. And someone's interested in it. And if it's not, you know, um, I, I, there were so many things that I didn't like about my, when I was learning how to learn which I never did. I finally had to teach it myself. But, you know, but I get stuck. My mind gets stuck, you know. So, like, I'll ask a question. I'll say, yeah, yeah, the Gemara will ask it later. So what does it say? Yeah, you'll see when we get there. Wait. So, what, are you worried about ruining the surprise? I'll be surprised when we get there. You know, I know, I know how to fake a surprise, you know. Yeah, you'll see. You'll see. You don't have to know it now. 
So I couldn't go on. I was stuck on my question. Mm. What, what, what? Just tell the kid. <laughs> tell them. Bring them <laughs> you know? And, and everybody learns Gemara. It's, here's a question. Here's an answer. Here's a question. Here's an answer. Here's a proof. It's step by step by step. I would walk in and I would ask a question. Okay. What would you say in this case? Uh, we would talk it through. You know? And uh, invariably they'd come up with two positions. I'd say, okay. You're Rabbi Yechanan and you're Rish Lakish. That's it. That's, that's, the, that's the whole Gemara. We're going to ask three questions on, on, on Rish Lakish. He's going to answer them up. Then we're going to ask one question on Rabbi Yechanan. We're going to say, he's wrong. We go like Rish Lakish. You got it? Okay, now let's look at it inside. What did you lose? It took me five minutes. You worried about the surprise? Why does everything have to be line by line by line? Get the big picture. And very often people lose the forest for the trees. So, of course, it's not going to be enjoyable. You know, you don't know what you're doing. At the end, you turn around. How many times do you hear this from a guy? I don't know what's going on. I don't know anything that's going on. So, of course, it's not true. But that's how you feel because it's never been presented to you as a package. Wow. So, when you learn Torah, when you do mitzvahs, whatever you do, it has to be that this is fun. Not just, not just that, that it's, it's positive. It has to be fun. 100%. So, Rabbi is a big fan, and I agree with you a million percent that we got it make a segment Torah fun in everything that we do whether it's Shabbat whether it's Chagim whether it's learning Rabbi we have Purim coming up <clears throat> one insight one Chiddush one uh, thought that comes to mind with regards to Purim Megillah Esther Haman Mishloch Manas Matanot Levi what do you got for us Rabbi Arlovsky I assume you're younger than me because you don't have any white in your beard oh yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> I assume you're younger <laughs> But I, hopefully you're old enough to still remember when Purim was fun. <laughs> Purim is still fun for us, Rabbi. I'm so glad. For me, I remember when I was in yeshiva, you know. Right, so let me put this into perspective, you know. When I got married, my father bought me a bottle of Shivas Regal mm. and Crown Royal. And he says, it'll last you the rest of your life. Wow. Because Jews don't drink. And everyone and, and knew that, you know. A shaker, you know, non-Jews drink. Jews don't drink, right? This was, you know, Jackie Mason used to do a routine where he'd say, at the end of the show, you could tell right away who's a Jew and who's a Gentile. Every Gentile says the same thing. You have a drink? Want a drink? How about that guy? You want a drink? Let's go have a drink. Want a drink? Want a drink? Every Jew would say the same thing. Did you eat yet? No, I ate. I didn't have cake or coffee. You know, cake and coffee. We have a cake and coffee. You know? says, Jews eat, you know. This is uh, non-Jews drink, you know. Um, it's changed. Yeah, for sure. It's changed. The, the type of drinking that goes on in the Jewish community was never seen in Jewish history. This, this is a change. It's a dramatic change. So on Purim, they would put out wine because the mitzvah's hayom is wine, wine. not yeah. alcohol. People who drink whiskey and then gin and vodka and then, uh, you know, a rock and, uh, you know, all this stuff. That's, that's fine, but that's not Purim. The reason we drink on Purim is yayin. And as the Gemara says, nichnas yayin When the wine goes in, the secret comes out. Because the word in Hebrew for wine, yayin, has the same numerical value as the word sod, which is secret. So when you drink, you know, what, what's inside comes out. Moshe Shapiro, uh, great scholar who I had the schuss to hear, um, uh, Shurim from in Israel, he, uh, he said once, he says, until you're 40, there's nothing inside of you that's worth coming out. And I added, and based on the Yeshiva Bachum who've come to my house, what does come out when they drink should stay inside. There's no, <laughs> we're not gaining anything by the process. So, 
So when I was growing up, so they put out a, a few bottles of wine. Sometimes someone would get a little tipsy. You know, no one got sick drunk where Hatzola is on call to have to come and deal with this kind of drinking. And so when you have this kind of drunken frenzy on Purim, that's not Purim. It never was, you know. Purim was, yeah, you'd have a few drinks, yeah, you would, you know, you would you'd get a little tipsy, but this kind of sick drunk, you know, and, and people were drinking maybe the night before. There's no mitzvah to drink at night. night it's a din in the suda. It's only during the day. It has nothing whatsoever to do with the night. And it just becomes an excuse for, for blatant alcoholism, yeah. you know, which is sad. And then you just see this sort of destruction that takes place. Um, when I was growing up, we used to send shachmonis. People would bake a cake, yeah. You know, they'd cut it up into pieces, they'd make hamantashen, they'd get this, you know, and send a, a plate of stuff. Now, people go out and buy these pre-made gift baskets, you know what I mean? Wrapped up in cellophane, they send it around, and everyone just passes it on to each other, and it doesn't have any tom to it, doesn't have any meaning to it, you know? Um, you used to go to uh, hear the Megillah being read, especially... I live in Yerushalayim. One of the greatest things about Yerushalayim is we don't celebrate Purim, we celebrate Shushan Purim. <laughs> Why? Because when you celebrate Purim, you're going straight from the fast into uh, the Megillah reading. But of course, these kids haven't been fasting. You know what I mean? So when I was a kid, you'd go into the Megillah reading, and they used to have grogers. And grogger was this little party, you know, grogger, grogger, you know what I mean? Now you go in, and they've got groggers six feet wide. Rock, 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 rock. And kids have air horns. And sirens. And explosive devices. Boom. And M16. And by the halfway through, you don't want to kill Haman. You want to kill that kid, you know, who's just destroyed the whole thing, you know? So it's like everything has been... Has, has been <clears throat> look, I'll, I'll, be, I'll say it in a positive way. The Gemara says that... Um, uh, the Gemara Baba Basra says we were Mavatal and Megillus Tainus. This was a, things of special days that we celebrated. It says, why? Because since the destruction of the temple, our hearts are made out of stone, as it says in Yecheskel, and we don't feel anymore. That was 2,000 years ago. How much more? <laughs> you know, there's the story of the Chassam Seifer, who on Erev Tishabov would go into his room and think about the destruction of the temple, and he would cry and fill up a bowl with tears, and dip his bread in it before the meal, before wow. Tisha B'Av. You know, I still remember on Tisha B'Av, where you'd see people crying on Tisha B'Av. Today, Tisha B'Av, we watch videos. <laughs> <laughs> Today, Tisha B'Av is a video there, you know? Oh, this one has a video, that one has a video, one has a video, because what? Because there's only meaning to Re- it at Rabbi, all. Rabbi, you're not allowed to speak on Tisha B'Av, you know? right? I'm oh, I, you, I you, always you speak on Tisha B'Av. You can't make people happy. Ah, I always speak on Tisha B'Av. I, I, I explain the kinnis. To make it, make it more meaningful. But what do you do with the jokes? I so, listen, every now and then a joke slips in. But you know, it's, <laughs> it's, sometimes, it's, it's, it's sometimes that little, little bit of sweetness that brings out the bitterness even more. So it accentuates oh, wow. it. Anyway, so, um, um, the, uh, uh, so we, we don't know how to do Tishbav. So, you know, we don't know how to do Purim. So, so everything today has to be exaggerated. We have to come up with some. Uh, I don't know. Do they have bedeckin by the Spartan? No, but some do it for the okay, so fun of it. Ashkenazi, we have a bedeckin where the husband, the husband and Kala don't talk to each other for a week. They don't see each other for a week. I think that from a practical point of view, that's a yeah, good idea. Yeah, it makes sense. Anyway. Uh, but, <laughs> You've seen uh, the rest of your life. So now you're at your wedding. You're about to go into the chuppah. You haven't seen this girl in, in a week. 
and you walk down and you, you know, you put the veil over her face beforehand. And this is the first time you're seeing them. It's something so poignant and beautiful. Today, people have to do shtick. They do a little dance. They bring a rose. Because nothing has any meaning to us anymore. We have to Hollywood it up. We have to shtick it up, you know. So shalachmanis isn't shalachmanis. And drinking isn't drinking, you know. And the McGill reading is not a McGill reading, you know. <laughs> so, um, so what we have to try to do on Purim is to recapture the message that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with us in the darkness. In the darkest times, right? God's name does not appear in the Megillah. It's Hester Panim. God is hidden from us. <clears throat> and at the time when God is hidden, we have to be able to find him. We have to see him peeking through the cracks. Like the, um, like the uh, girl in Auschwitz, they found she wrote a poem. She says, I believe in the sun even when I don't see it shining. And I believe in God even when I don't see his goodness. So in Purim, where all hope was lost and everything was destroyed and we're going to all die and there's no way out, there's nothing we could do, the people turned to Akash Baruch Hu and said, I don't see you, I've lost my land, I've lost my temple, I've lost everything, but I'm counting on you to come and save me anyway. And that's the message of Purim. The message of Purim is that in the deepest darkness, we have to be with five Hashem. And that's why, you know, they say when there's two months of Adar, you put uh, Purim in the second month. Because Samach Geula Geula. You want to mm. put Purim always next to Pesach. Because Purim is the key to Pesach. If you understand how to look for God in the darkness, then you'll find Him and have the real redemption that's going to take place on Pesach. Amazing. What an amazing Torah talk so far. Our amazing Rabbi David Orlovsky. We have a minute custom of one final message for our broad audience. <coughs> and uh, so many amazing gems and we really appreciate it, Rabbi. So, um, I was uh, in Israel during the Rabin government and there were these buses that were being blown up. Nebuch. It was unfortunately a common, yeah. too common occurrence. It wasn't common, but too common. It shouldn't happen ever. But So I remember there was an 18 bus in Jerusalem on a Sunday morning that blew up. A guy brought himself onto the bus and he blew himself up. And there was an outcry from the right. They were in the opposition. This is because you didn't close the territories and that's why this happened, etc. <clears throat> so they closed the territories. <clears throat> the next Sunday morning, the 18 bus, somebody blew it up on it. So now what? You say close the territories. So the talking heads get on TV and they say, well, um, it's because Jerusalem, Jerusalem can't, you know, uh, can't be closed. You know, it's, it's, it's a mixed city, you know. Okay. The next Sunday, which was Tainus Esther, just before Purim, somebody blew themselves up in a mall in the middle of Tel Aviv all these little kids in their perm costumes, etc. So the question came after this terrible tragedy, should we still celebrate Purim? Have all these public events after this, this terrible tragedy this morning? And the rabbi said, yeah, because that's what Purim is. Purim isn't Pesach, where we win and everything goes well. Purim is, we almost had a holocaust. We didn't. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't all get killed. But that's not a holiday where 
<clears throat> you know, where we, uh, you know, we have the, they have the temple, Hanukkah, we get back to the temple once we're dedicated, you know, it, Passover, we come out of Egypt uh, and Shavuos, we get the Torah, you know, miracles and, and wonderful things and all kinds of things, you know, this was, they didn't kill us all. That's good. But, but on Purim, it means that we have to have faith. You know, there's a, there's a tradition, and I know people who have done this. It's the, that normally you don't have to give charity to everybody, right? A person who you know is, is not a real person, he's not really poor. You know, you don't have to give them charity. You know? the oh, exactly. And Purim, anyone who sticks hands. out their hand, they've got to give them something. Little kids come around, they say, Deme Purim. You know, so you give them a small coin, you know, but, you know, you give anybody, you know. So the same is true by God on Purim. Anybody who turns to God on Purim and says, God, I need this, I want this, the impossible can happen. And I know people who did not have children for many years, and the whole Purim, they just davened, and they had a child. Oh. So Purim is a day where in the deepest darkness, no matter how bad it is, God is waiting for you. God is, is always there, peeking through the cracks, like it says in Shira Shirim. Kosh Baruch Hu, you, you don't see him, but you can find him peeking through the cracks. When I uh, used to take my kids to Gan, so I would... It was in somebody's house, a little apartment. Yeah, a little uh, pre-nursery, I guess it was. Right. You know, so I would take them up in the elevator and I would walk them down the hall to the door, and um, <clears throat> and they would say, "Don't, don't take me. I want to go by myself." Right, right. I, I'm going through that. <laughs> two, year, two years old, three years old. I want to go by myself. You know. So okay, so I would stand and watch, and they would turn around and say, "No, no, no, go back. <laughs> don't watch me." Okay. So I would go back, and there was a railing on the stairs, and I would watch through the railing. And I thought to myself, that's what the Pasuk and Shir Shir means when it says God is peeking through the cracks. Mm. When you don't see him, he's watching us. You know, he's, he's, you know, you know that famous story they tell, you know, about the man, he's walking on the beach, and he says, God, you always said you would be with me in hard times, but my wife died, and I'm all alone, and you're not with me. Because I look in the sand, and I see one set of footprints. And God says, those are my footprints that carry you. Mm. And for him, we know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is even with us. I believe in the sun, even when it's not shining. Powerful. Rabbi David Orlovsky Shlita, what an amazing Torah talk. What a chizud, what an inspiration, what messages. Really appreciate everything that you do for Klaus and for the Jewish people. You continue that smile, continue oh, making man, others man. happy. We should be zochet to come with you to Eretz HaKadosh. It should come be Rabbi Reino, Amen, Amen. A special shout out and thank you to all the podcast uh, platforms. To anytime, shout out to you as well. To daily giving, a dollar a day goes a very Those far away. Those who watch away. my podcast and to all of our friends at Torah Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi Orlovsky Show, what's it called? It's, it's the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. You can find it on Torah Anytime. You can find it on uh, most major platforms. I don't even know what they all yes, are. Yes, same here. <laughs> I also don't know the names. We just Sorry, time said, don't say anything. Just uh, mention us. <laughs> so I do. And, uh, but you can find it on my website, rabbiolowski.com. There's a link to it. And, uh, Amazing. Thank you very much to Robbie, Nathan, Nathan, and the whole t- mayor. It's like this, only here. with less content. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, amazing perm to everyone. Until next time. Yishikach, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, Tuesday nights. Chazak Torah Talk.